through the books of history, uh, 30 lessons on history. We've done the Pentateuch, 30 lessons. Now we're doing history, uh, Joshua through Esther. Uh, this particular lesson is about Jeroboam this morning. You get it at your hand, the sin of Jeroboam. If you've read your Bible, uh, and especially if you've read it through, you would have come across this phrase about Jeroboam again and again and again. In fact, 14 times the Bible says the sin of Jeroboam. 12 of those times it goes on to say, and he made Israel to sin. This was very a pivotal point as far as the history of Israel because it not only divided the kingdom, but it also divided their worship of God. There was, uh, when the split took place, Rehoboam took the two tribes, and of course uh, that was Benjamin and Judah, and then uh, Jeroboam took the other ten tribes. Those ten tribes never had one good king that the Bible says he did right in the sight of the Lord. Now Judah, <clears throat> they didn't have every king that was right, but they had several kings. And what was the turning point for Israel, the ten tribes, was this, what Jeroboam did when he decided, hey, listen, we're going to serve two golden calves instead of serving the Lord God Almighty. And God doesn't want anybody to replace him. The very first commandment is, thou shalt what? Thou shalt, actually, the first commandment, forgive me, that's the greatest commandment. The first commandment is, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. And by the way, that hasn't changed. God doesn't want us to put anything before him. And uh, whether it's a person or circumstance or recreation, whatever it might be, God wants to be first place. So let's look at our Bible now this morning. We're in 1 Kings chapter number 12. Look in verse number 25. 1 Kings chapter 12 in verse number 25. It says, Then Jeroboam built Shechem. Now again, this is after the split of the kingdom. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from thence and built Peniel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David if this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Verse 29, And he set the one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. And this thing became a sin for the people, uh, went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And he made an house of high places and made priests of the, um, of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the 15th day of the 8th month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel. And he declared, I'm sorry, and he offered upon the altar and burnt uh, incense. Church family, forgive me for not having a map this morning of, the, of Israel. It probably would have been easier for you to understand as far as what's going on. When there was a split and division, the ten tribes were the upper, you want to say the northern part, but northern of Israel, the southern part would have been Judah. Jerusalem was the capital city of all Israel before it was divided. It became the capital of Judah after the division. When that division took place, uh, Jeroboam knew that God's people were supposed to go back to Jerusalem because that's the place God chose for them to worship and to bring their sacrifices. And he was afraid that if he did not do something about their worship, that they would all go back down to Jerusalem and be more fond of Rehoboam than fond of him. As king. So Jeroboam, he makes these two golden calves. He puts one in Dan, which is the farthest northern part of the inheritance of Israel, those ten tribes. And then he put one in Bethel, which was at the southern part, the lower tip of the inheritance of the ten tribes. And so he said to the children of Israel, hey, listen, there's no need for you to go down to Jerusalem anymore 
You can just stay in your own inheritance, these ten tribes, and you can, you can have that same type of worship that you had before. And his, his reasoning for that was very selfish. All right? Now, this morning, I want, to do the, I want to take this and make application this morning because really what Jeroboam was doing is he was changing the way God's people worship God. And I want to tell you, if there's ever a day that people are trying to change the way we worship God, it's today. I mean, just through this COVID thing of the government telling you, you can go to church, but wait, you're going to do it the way we want you to do it. Have a parking lot service. Have internet service. And it's amazing how the government knows what church is, and the government doesn't even go to church. I'm just trying to tell you that it's been going on for a long time on the way church has been changed, and it will continue to be that way because the devil doesn't like you going to church. He doesn't like a Sunday school hour where a person comes and hears the word of God or where a child memorizes a memory verse and, they, and, and the word of God changes a person's life, whether it's for salvation or sanctification. That's what worshiping God does, by the way. Amen. I hope this morning that you didn't just come to church to fulfill an obligation or come to church out of a habitual routine, but that you came to church in your mind wanting to worship God. God. The word worship in the Hebrew and Greek as well as the, I like the 1828 dictionary, they all really have about the same meaning when it comes to this idea of worship. It's to bow in reverence and adoration to something or someone. And by the way, that's what we do for God. Now, we don't always necessarily bend a knee, but really, to be honest with you, that's part of worship. The reason we have an altar call is not so that we can take pictures to find out how many people came to the front. The invitation is an invite for us to do business with the Lord, and that's part of our worship. When we come to an old-fashioned altar and we bend a knee, we're bowing before God in our mind as well as in our physical being, saying, hey, listen, it's you that I'm thankful for. It's you that I, I, that I have what I have. It's because of you. And that's what worship's all about. Just, I, mean, I love being in church because I like to be with God's people, and I, and I like to be able to hear the word of God. But we have to remember that part, a major part, of why we come to church is not to see each other, but to see him. And that's part of our worship. God, thank you for what you do in my life. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this church. Thank you for good health. Thank you for how you supply. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve. That's part of our worship of adoration to him. Jeroboam decides that he was going to change that. And I want to just point out several things about this idea of worship. As far as his, and to me it's satanic, because by the way, what Jeroboam did back then is the same thing that's happening today. All right? So let's look at these together. We're going to walk through these verses together. If you're still with me, say amen. 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 I think you are too. Look at uh, 1 Kings chapter number 12. Let's pick it up read a couple of verses now. Verse 25, 26, and 27. Then Jeroboam built Shechem and Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from thence and built Peniel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David if this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, talking about Rehoboam, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Now, church, I want to tell you, I really believe that what Jeroboam's problem was, it was all about him. It was not about what's right or wrong. It's not about who we worship. The golden calves were just a way to keep the children of Israel, those ten tribes, with him. And can I tell you, that's the same thing that's happened to worship today. It has gotten to be very self-centered instead of God-centered. That's right. Now, church, I'm not throwing stones this morning at other churches or other people, but we have to be careful as God's people. We're not coming to hear Pastor Hanks. 
I want to tell you something. We, I was gone this week, Brother DeLong, and Brother DeLong, I think it was him that told me when I got back Friday night late, uh, when I saw him, he said, I want to tell you something. It was, I think it was Brother DeLong. I think it was him that told me. It might have been somebody else. Uh, had two different people on two different occasions have told me, I want to tell you something. Your Wednesday night crowd's like your Sunday morning service. I want to tell you, it should always be that way. Because we are not coming to hear a person, we're coming to hear God. We're, trying, we're coming to worship Him in our spirit. And we say to yourself, well, you know, the next person may be monotone, or the next person, you know, might be bombastic, or the next person might be shorter, or the next person might be tall, or the next person might have personality. Church family, it's not about the human instrument that we're listening to. It's about the Spirit of God that does something in our lives. This worship that Jeroboam was about, hey, listen, uh, you don't need to go down to Jerusalem, you need to stay here with me. It's very interesting. I'm not going to take time, but you followed the passages through. This actually goes chapter 12, 13, and 14. Jeroboam is always at the golden calf. He's always there in Bethel. He's always there with what's going on. He wanted to be the center of attention. And that's not what worship is. I like Psalm 39, verse number 4, when it talks about man. It said, verily, every man, every man, in his best state, is altogether vanity. Altogether vanity. Jeremy, have you ever figured out that these non-denominational megachurches are usually centered around one person? I'm talking about a human being, one person. The way the person speaks, the way the person smiles, the way the person conducts themselves. You know, I want to tell you something. I don't like being gone from heritage. I don't like being gone from heritage because this is where God put me. Can I say this? Thank you. Sometimes it's probably good that I am gone. Just to remind ourselves, I didn't come to hear somebody. I came to hear from the Lord. Amen. And God does that through a variety of speakers, whether it's an evangelist, whether it's a missionary, whether it's a pastor. I don't want to leave this place. I hope the Lord lets me die here. But I'm going to just tell you something here. If I, if I die tomorrow and you stop coming to church, I'm going to come back and haunt every one of you. <laughs> You'll always be looking over your shoulders. Pastor here? Yeah. You stay in church. Worship is not supposed to be self-centered. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. My chapter for today in Revelation, because I try to read a chapter a day. By the way, you ought to do that. Only book in the Bible that God says, if you read it, hear it, and keep it, I'll bless you for it. Amen. Revelation chapter 4 is, was today. The chapter is about God on his throne. In Revelation number 2 and 3, the seven churches of Asia Minor, Laodicean church is the, not hot, not cold, we're lukewarm. To think that we're living in that day, that, we would, that, that, that would be us, it would be sickening. But in chapter number 4, doors open in heaven. There's a, there's a shout that's given. That shout has come up hither. Amen. Chapter number 4 is a picture of the rapture of the church. And the first thing that you see is in chapter number 4 is God on his throne. And I, I like when you get down to the end because the 4 and 20 elders is a picture of us. Amen. 4 and 20, that's 24. 12 representing the apostles, which represents all New Testament saints. The 12 uh, tribes of Israel, the 12 sons of Jacob, Amen. representing all Old Testament believers. So when the Bible talks about the four and twenty elders, that's me. I'm a New Testament saint. When, when you see in the book of Revelation, if you ever see the four and twenty elders, that's you. Amen. I like chapter four as soon as we get to heaven. The very last verse says this. The four and twenty elders are on the throne. Guess what we're saying? Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Church, that's what God created us for, that we would worship him. And if you haven't got the worship thing down pat here, you'll get it down pat there. There's no doubt about it. Jeroboam's worship was very self-centered. Look at the next verse with me, verse number 28. 
Verse 28 says this. I read verse 28, 29, and 30. It says, Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, if you don't mind, read the next phrase with me, just the phrase together. Ready? It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, and he set the one in Bethel and the one other he put in Dan. And this thing became a sin for the people, went, uh, for the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. Unto Dan. Church, I, mean, I, don't, I think that first of all we see that he made worship and it was self-centered, but that worship, second of all, the, he had worship that was convenient. It's too much for you to go to Jerusalem. You don't think we don't have, and our worship today is a very comfortable worship? I know what you're thinking. How come we don't have a coffee shop outside the auditorium? I'm going to tell you why you don't have a coffee shop outside the auditorium, because you don't need one. Amen. I know I'm old school, school, and I, I can't even believe I'm saying that. But this is ridiculous. I want to tell you something. The non-denominationals bring their coffee and sip their coffee while the pastor's preaching. This is not a non-denominational church. This is an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church. And you don't need your coffee in your hand while the pastor's speaking for 30 minutes. Are you crazy? (laughs) But it would be just so much more relaxing and so much more I could get so much more from the Bible if I just had my coffee there what are you warm and fuzzy you came to church to hear from the word of God not so that you could be comfortable (laughs) I don't work at making people uncomfortable but I'm just trying to tell you we've tried to get church to be so comfortable we've moved God out of the picture that's right it's too much for you to go down to Jerusalem. Hey, let me, let me help you out. I'm going to put you a God, a golden calf at the top and the bottom. And that way, whatever's closest for you, because whatever's comfortable, whatever's convenient for you, that's what you ought to do. Just, do you understand what's happening to the United States of America as a whole and as far as its independent Baptist churches? People don't even go to church on Sunday night anymore. It's all about convenience. It's all about being comfortable. Churches now are having in-home Bible studies to replace an evening service so that they can come in their casual clothes and get with just a small group of people in somebody's home so they can sit back on a couch, drink a cup of coffee, and and be around, quote-unquote, the Word of God. Instead of, as the Bible called the word church, which means ecclesia, which means called out assembly. The the worship that is convenient is not always worship. Listen, I know I'm from the old school, but I, I have a hard time with this. This is Pastor Hanks, and I only have to answer for this church. But I don't understand these churches that decide, hey, Christmas falls on a church night, so we're going to cancel church because, uh, you know, it's, we, it, God cares about the family. The Southern Baptist Church in town, when we were in town, our church building was next door, I was still astounded, even those many years ago, when they would cancel their evening service on Super Bowl, and they would show the Super Bowl inside the auditorium. If you wanted to come, we were going to have a Super Bowl party instead of having church. Now, we haven't had that yet. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you, ought to, you ought to just, I'm going to tell you something. If I ever do something stupid like that, you ought to get mad. Do you understand? We're, our worship is not about convenience. He paid it all. He's done everything possible to make us happy. And we think, well, we have a hard time because pastors having Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and revival meeting and missions conference. How much church can a person have? Let's ask it this way. How much worship can a Christian do? Ch- church is not about convenience. 
Our worship is not about convenience. Quickly, let's see something else. Verse number 31. Not only did uh, Jeremiah make worship self-centered and convenient. Look at verse 31. Verse 31, and he made an house of high places and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month and on the 15th day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah, and he offered upon the altar. So did he. Now I want you to notice next of all that Jeroboam's uh, worship was counterfeit. Church, let me think for just a moment here. He had a place of worship. He had priests. They called them priests, even though they weren't the sons of Levi. He had priests. He had feasts, just like the children of Israel were used to. He put them on the eighth day of whatever that month was. He put it on the exact same day that the feast was supposed to be on. Can I just tell you, he tried to replica, replicate excuse me, worship to the nth degree, but it was not worship. Amen. You know why? Because it wasn't the place God chose. Right. It wasn't what God said to do. It wasn't golden calf. It wasn't even God Almighty. Why are we so, why are we so uh, in wonder why there are so many counterfeits to what we believe in our Christianity, but yet it's so close to the real thing? Can I just tell you, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen. Malachi 3, he said, I, I am the Lord, I change not. Every time we start to inch this way with counterfeit things, what we're doing is we're setting up the next generation for, for uh, untruths, falsehood. And I'm going to tell you, some people are going to die and go to hell because they're not having the truth. Right. Satan is just a counterfeit of our God the Father. I mean, the, the verse that says that in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, you know, turn to verse 13, 14, it says, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. I did, not realize there were, I did not realize there was another version of the Bible until I came to Heritage 27 years ago. And a college student that was married, it was, they had just started coming to church after I was here in my first year. Dean Chandler was his name. I don't know why I just remembered his name. Dean Chandler was his name. Dean Chandler came up to me and says, hey, what's wrong with this other version? Now, I grew up in a church. Nobody ever had to say the King James Version was the Word of God because there was no other version. My dad would just hold up his Bible and say, this is the Word of God. It wasn't that we, oh, which, which version do you have? There was no other version. And I'm just trying to tell you that today in our society, there's things that we're having to fight over, debate over, that should never have to be fought over, debated over. But the devil... He has, he has changed things. I want to tell you something. The Bible talks about singing hymns uh, that you're hit me, uh, hymns, psalms, and, I'm sorry, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. All right? This contemporary junk coming out doesn't fit any three of those. I want to tell you, we're, we're getting a group of young people that are getting attached to this stuff because the music is so close to what the world's music is, but they can quote unquote be Christian about it, but it's not Christian. It's counterfeit. But it just makes me feel so good. That's what, exactly what it does. It appeals to your flesh and not your spirit. Do you, do you understand what Satan is doing? The same thing Jeroboam did. He wants things to seem spiritual, but they're not spiritual. He wants things to seem like it's godly, but it's not godly. Church family. If somebody came in today and said, hey, listen, we have another pastor from another church. He pastors a Satanist church down the street, and I think there's some good things you can hear from him today. You would say, what in the world? 
Satan does not print phony money on orange paper. He prints it on green, as close to the real thing as possible. And that's what's going on in our worship today. And what's happening is our kids are being raised and they're scratching their head. Well, what's wrong with this? They're saved. I'm just telling you, we still need the old-fashioned. Hey, listen to me, church family. I was talking to Brother Mark yesterday. <laughs> Brother, how many remember when we used to have those screens up here, the big screens? How many remember those days? How many remember the day that that screen went wacky? Were you in the service? Yes. I had a visiting speaker here. Visiting speaker was sitting there. I was sitting right there. It was just about time for him to come up and preach. It was during the last song of the song service, and all of a sudden, on the screen that was on that, you can see the wall plate there, that was sitting right over there, Curious George came on. And I'm standing this way, and I could see everybody laughing. I didn't know what they were laughing about until I looked up, and I about died. Now, I don't have anything against screens, to be honest with you. I had them up, and if they would have worked right. My, ours got demon-possessed. That's all I can figure out. <laughs> we had a demon-possessed screen. I can live without a screen. Amen. I mean, the screen's not the end of the world. Church, I don't have a Bible verse, there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm going to tell you something. I like holding a hymn book. I know that seems old-fashioned. I don't have a chapter and verse on it. I don't think there's anything wrong with you. If you want to read, you know, follow the dot on that. But there's just some things that if we're not careful, we're going to, we continue to let go. It just takes you a direction that you don't want to go. That's right. You know, my kids, uh, last night we were on the table at supper and, they were talking about how, you know, I make them dress and, you know, when we go places, you know, they got to dress a certain way, that kind of thing. And somehow it got brought up about the boys having to wear three button down polos or both three button polos. I don't remember what, what, where they were going, but just the idea that they had to wear three button down, that they'd rather wear, you know, more like a t-shirt type thing, not a t-shirt, but a colored shirt or something without a collar. And I said, son, listen, if I didn't make you wear a three button down polo, then, and I said, okay, then you're going to wear a t-shirt. What are you going to do? Not wear, wear any shirt? What's the deal? I mean, I was just, we were just kind of going back and forth a little bit last night. And, uh, it's, it, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with wearing a shirt without a collar. Nothing wrong with it whatsoever. But I just look at that I want to make sure that I'm a little bit to the right because my family will always be to the left of me. That's right. And no matter what I believe, they are going to pick up my deficiencies. Yeah. Instead of the good things about me, they're going to pick up the bad things about me. That's right. It's just part of our human nature. Very rarely does a person go to the right of somebody. They always go to the left of somebody. Right. Amen. So I tell my kid, you're going to live. You know, just because you have to wear three button on collar, you'll be all right. <laughs> all right. They think they're going to die. All right. Can I just tell you, I know there's some things that we do around here that might seem a little bit to the right. doesn't make us any more spiritual. Right. It's just direction. Amen. I just want the direction to stay right. Amen. You know, people who... They've never been to our church. You know, they get their own ideas as far as what this church is like. They never stepped, door, stepped foot inside this door. But there are a few that have stepped foot inside this door, and they figure out something. There's some real people there. The, the, I've, I don't know how many times I've heard this. I've, I have never been to a church before where so many people shook my hand. But thank, thankfully, but there's people who will never come to this church, and all they go on is what they've heard, usually from a disgruntled person or something. That's all, that, that's all they can ever go on. But church, I want it to be said of this church that this church gets the gospel to people. This church that believes Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and he's the only one that can take you to heaven. I want this, somebody to say, yeah, that's a conservative church. Church, don't you love Lawrence, Kansas? 
27 years ago before we came, we were told that Lawrence is the San Francisco of the Midwest. That's what they told me 27 years ago. Our town, out of 105 counties, our county was the only county that voted against the marriage amendment. That uh, marriage meant one man, one woman. <laughs> I think to myself, where's your brain? But church family, do you understand that without Jesus Christ, they are going to die and go to hell forever. And if we don't hold to, to the doctrines of scripture and to what the Bible teaches, instead of trying to move ourselves to the left so that we can quote unquote reach more people, this church will close because this church is only in existence because there's a God in heaven. If he wants the door to close, he closes it tomorrow. Our worship. Jeroboam's worship was self-centered. Jeroboam's worship was convenient. Jeroboam's worship was, was, uh, was counterfeit. Quickly, I want to show you this last thing, and I'll be done this morning. Look at your Bible again. Jump down to verse number 32. Church, I'm going to pick it. Yeah, verse 32. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, on the 15th day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah, and he offered upon the altar. Now look what he says next, verse 32. So did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that, what's the next three words? He had made, and he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places, which, what's the last three words? He had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the 15th day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised. Can I tell you what the uh, last thing I think about Jeroboam's worship is this? Is Jeroboam's worship, it was worship that was choice, or I should say his choice. It was all about what he wanted. I know I'm running out of time this morning. I want you to see something, though, if you don't mind. Would you turn over to Deuteronomy for just a moment? Deuteronomy, let me pick out here. Deuteronomy, let's start in chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12, all right? I'm going to hustle here, but I want you to look at just one thing that's interesting about this worship. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, look at verse number 5. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse number 5. And I'm going to, I'm going to pinpoint several things here. Verse 5, first phrase. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall, what? Choose. Choose. Look at verse number 11. Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall, what? Verse 14, but in the place which the Lord shall choose. Verse 18, but thou must eat them, talking about the sacrifice, eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. Verse 26, if the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. Chapter 14, flip over chapter, verse, verse number 23. Chapter 14, verse 23, and thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose. Choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, of thine oil, of the first things of the herds and of the flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. And, the way be too, and if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there, when the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, then shalt thou turn it unto money, and bind up the money in, the, in thine hand, and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. Now, church family, I don't, we don't have time this morning. Chapter 15, verse 20, 16, verse 2, 16, verse 6 and 7, verse 15, verse 16, 17, verse 8, 17, verse 10, 18, verse 6, 23, verse 16, 26, verse number 2, 31, verse number 11. I'm just trying to tell you, God told the children of Israel over and over before they ever got to the Canaan land that there would be a place that I would choose. Amen. Now, for time's sake, I'm just going to read you the verse, 1 Kings 14, 21. Jerusalem, the city which the Lord did choose out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. Trishman, can I just tell you that Ray, I'm sorry, Jeroboam, it was all about what he devised, what he said, what he was going to do, but he just threw out all of what God told his people, this is the place I chose, and it's going to be Jerusalem. This is the place you're going to bring your sacrifice, and if you can't bring the animal, sell the animal, bring the money. He said, this is the place you're going to do your feast. This is the place that my name's going to be upon. It was Jerusalem. By the way, Jerusalem's still important to God. 
You know what worship's about today? It's about choice. And by the way, God did give you a free will. You chose to come to church today. Now, after the Sunday school hour, you won't come back. But you chose this morning to be here, all right? You chose. Amen. You know, God's very good to us. He does give us choice. That's why he gives free will. Can I tell you, our worship's not about what Pastor Hanks thinks. Our worship's not even what you think. God makes the choice. We decide whether or not we're going to do what he wants or not. Amen. That book you hold in your hand, you worship him every time you read it. When you got up this morning and you spent that time away from everybody else and you prayed this morning, yes. that was your worship. Amen. When you come together and the Bible is open and we look at the word of God and we study the word of God, this is our worship. When that hymn book that you hold in your mind, well, Christ is all I need, and you sang those songs and you thought about the words and you sang it from your mouth but you meant it from your heart, you were worshiping. Yeah. Don't get wrapped up with all the other types of worship that's going on. We have a great God. He wants to be worshiped in spirit and truth. When the woman at the well came to Jesus, remember what Jesus said in John chapter 4? He says, and they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Amen. Another message, another time, but it's real simple. The spirit in the New Testament is always a picture of prayer. And the truth in scripture, John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth is always the word of God. Amen. What we're doing this morning is prayer and Bible. That's how we worship him. We've got a great God. Don't let Jeroboam's type of worship lead you astray because guess what? 14 times, sent a Jeroboam. 12 times, guess what? And he made Israel to sin. Amen. You know what? I found it interesting. That word made Israel to sin, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it means this, to lead astray. To lead astray. I want to tell you something. You better be careful not to lead your family astray by where you worship, what you worship, and how you worship. If, we have, if, you're a Sunday, if a person's a Sunday school teacher, a person's, it uh, doesn't matter, who, if you're, you're influencing people, you better not be like Jeroboam. You better not leave a service and say, huh, that service lasted too long today, I don't know what the pastor was thinking. Let me tell you, it's part of our worship. Amen. Almost every visiting speaker that comes, Brother DeLong spoke, oh, was it Brother DeLong I was with on the pulpit here last Sunday? I guess it would be Sunday school maybe. He said, where's your clock? You know, most people when they're preaching, they put the clock right there, all righty? For two purposes. Number one, so that the guy preaching will constantly see it, and they put it there so that you won't keep turning around and looking at it. All right. Now, we have never had a, a clock here, and I don't want to have a clock here. And by the way, a couple times over 27 years, I had a couple of people, you know, I wish you wouldn't come quite that long. Um, but I'm just not going to do that. If we've come to hear from the Word of God, I don't want us, okay, is he done yet? Okay, how long is this going to last? You know. If it was a football game going into overtime, you wouldn't be looking at your watch. <laughs> That's close. You can go get your coffee. <laughs> Let's pray. 